Welcome back to The Remote Life. My name is Han Talbot, also known as Han Meets World, and today we'll be chatting with Steve Sensorensky. Originally from the US, Steve is a copywriter and contributor for CNBC and World Nomads, as well as founder and creative director of SPT Creative. In this episode, we talk about how Steve got into the digital nomad lifestyle, his favourite destinations, and some things to think about before going remote yourself. So grab a coffee, a tea, or something stronger, and let's get started. And we are live on The Remote Life. So Steve, hi, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Can't complain, although it is raining here in London, so... <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's like par for the course, though, no? Or at least in my stereotypical yeah. view, that's par for the course. I don't know if that actually is. I've been there, but I don't remember. I know. Don't want to give the stereotype of it, but I guess that's what it is. <laughs> like, I mean, I will say, is... it does rain every single day in, in Medellin, where, where I am right now, like, quite literally. I've been here for like three weeks, almost. Oh, I my think. gosh literally every day i mean it's like a quick tropical sort of situation like an hour or even less and then it goes away but yeah it rains every day everyone seems to be heading to medellin at the moment how is it i've enjoyed it it's been like there's definitely a lot of digital nomad expat um type folks here like longer term travelers as well as like the backpacking crowd too Mm. Um, it's, it's really affordable but it's good um really easy to meet people really welcoming really good restaurants obviously the coffee is great because it's columbia not a ton of English speaking compared to like traveling in Europe. Oh, interesting. As, as I found. Yeah. Uh, so if you know a bit of Spanish, it helps. Uh, I I can tell a story about how I don't know Spanish and how it's created some challenges. If you want me to tell you those quick, quickly. Oh, sure, okay, for it. So the, fir- the first day I was here, the second day, I went to a bar to just meet some people, grab a beer. And uh, I try to be polite and ask like may i have a beer please but in, in spanish and i and i thought the way to, to do that politely was like puedo hacer una cerveza Lol. which is not i said that what that means is that i can make beer basically yeah and the bartender was like i don't what are you talking about but this is all in <laughs> spanish so i'm like dude i just want like quiero cerveza i don't know and he handed it to me and then someone explained like yeah no, it was puedo tener but no one even says that anyways yeah so, <laughs> well yeah, at least you were polite about it <laughs> I tried really hard, and then I ended up getting like a really intense haircut with a facial mask and uh, mm-hmm. like my the nose wax thing. But not because I wanted that. I just didn't know what he was asking me, so I just kept saying "see," and so like I was really fresh and clean, but like was not prepared to have all that done. That yeah, that's like, oh my god! Can you imagine like not speaking the language, and all of a sudden this dude is like putting wax and stuff up your nose <laughs> must have been like... yeah it was it, well i mean i i knew i'd gone too far like the mask was unexpected and he he said a lot of things in spanish i kept catch every like 10th word so it was like blah 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 not it is blah 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 i'm like i think that means nose but i can't i can't be sure if i'm not going to really ask to repeat it because it doesn't even matter if he repeats it i won't get it yeah so i just said see see and uh, i see this thing of wax come out it gets plugged in warmed up i'm like i know where this is i, mean, I think i know what's happening here and uh, yeah, and they did it twice. I didn't know that was a thing. But they did oh my it twice. gosh! Yeah, it's been good though. I don't want to. It's been that's been like the the weird side of it for me, but it's been really really good. Um, really affordable to be here. Um, really fun, and just a really good vibe. I'd recommend it. I can see why so many people are are coming. Mm, yeah, because so I lived in Brazil um, about a decade ago, and I had a Colombian flatmate, and she was like, "Don't go to." Um, well, she said Bogota, I think at the time. So, like, yeah. in my head, and like, especially when, like, Narcos kicked off, I know there was a big kind of tourism, mm-hmm. like, influx after that. But I, it's funny, like, in my head, I'm, I don't even think about it, but because of her. But then 
there seems to be the sudden kind of like rush to go there. And then I'm seeing, so my accountability partner was there uh, back in February and she was just like showing me pictures of this like beautiful tropical scenery. Like, I'm not saying that I, I had the stereotype from like 20, 30 years ago in my head, but it's just funny how like these, oh, I these places are just, I you did. Yeah, well, because I mean, like, it's, it's it's actually similar, and we'll, we'll end up talking about Croatia a little bit yeah. after this conversation, for sure. But uh, it's similar to to that mindset that I had, where all I knew of Croatia and Medellin, for example, is, like, what was on the news in the States in, like, the mm. 90s and early 2000s. And then no one really in, in the media bothered to, like, update those stories, pretty much. You know, it was just, like, terrible things are happening, there's drugs, and then in Croatia, terrible things are happening, there's war. And then you kind of just, like, the story just doesn't really get picked up, which is fine because they're, they're ongoing stories and no one's going to cover that indefinitely. So I get it. But then you only find out when you come to a place that is like fully transformed in, in the way that this city has here, complete sort of transformation. Um, from from my understanding, it's they don't like talking about the whole, that whole period. There's the narcos thing didn't really help because people come for that now. There's like those mm. types of tours. Like when I went on the tour, they wouldn't even say his name, they called him Voldemort. And I won't even say it now just to, to, to be respect, respectful of their wishes to not talk about he it. He must like, not be named. He that must be not, must not be named, exactly. Yeah. So it's been interesting. Definitely, I, I think, a place of peace. Like, it's worth coming to. Yeah. Not exactly my type of city, because I like smaller places and this has 2.6 sure. million people, but still really good to change the pace and change the scenery and to get a, a different cultural feel. Yeah, so how about, just for, like, as much as I want to get into, like, all the different destinations, how about we take a quick step back and you just kind of connect the dots for us and, like, kind of what you've been doing, kind of how you got to where you're at now. Absolutely. So travels are, like, been just, like, a formative thing in my life forever. My parents were always keen on traveling when I was growing up. It would be, like, road trips down the east coast of the U.S., going to Disney World, going on, like, beach holidays or going on a cruise wherever. So, like, I learned... Early, I was putting my brain early that if I had free time, I was required to spend it experiencing something new, being somewhere different. So that was always like kicking around in the back of my head. So once I finished university, I moved to Colorado, then I moved to New Zealand, and I was like a ski bum for a while. Then I went to work for cruise lines for a number of years, uh, doing digital marketing, basically video type stuff and, and other marketing things. And then the pandemic hit, and that's actually where like the real digital nomad thing started. Because before I was in the travel industry, we're mm. doing things that were travel related in that sense, but I wasn't 100% in control of that. So like with cruising, it was give me itinerary I go. I knew I wanted to live a life and have a professional career that made it possible to be in control. Mm-hmm. And actually the pandemic, which obviously was terrible for the world, was a chance for me to reset and switch careers from what was a video production and photography career to a writing career that mm. gave me full control of uh, a change in how I worked completely. Actually, we could we could dip into that a little bit too in, in a bit, but that's where the, the real switch started. I started in 2019, the pandemic stopped it, and I re- reconfigured everything and, and fully and 100% remote as of 2020, end of it. We can dip into it now if you want. Why don't you tell us a bit yeah, more about uh, it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was so basically I was doing um, video and I realized I didn't really like it, as it turns out. Um, I just kind of was going with the flow. And that's not a particularly great way to work, I realized. And I was doing a project by project or I was doing like a, a cruise line thing where I'd be making marketing content for them. And I, I didn't feel like I had any, um, what would be the word, consistency. 
mm. to what I was doing. And so when I switched to to writing, which is what I do now, it's like I'm a copywriter and just written content creation as opposed to video, I strove to completely change how I, I did client work. Um, no more one-offs. It was I was trying to find long-term clients intentionally. Um, be it, you know, if it was ongoing content marketing with like blogs or, you know, newsletters and things like that, anything that wasn't just a one-off so I could create consistency, which I feel like you can then build a more chaos-free life, especially if you're going to be traveling. And then you could just forecast better. Like I know what money is going to be coming in. I don't have to worry about these one-off projects ending and then having to like struggle unless you save better. Uh, a lot of those planning things fell into place when I shifted structure of how it works uh, and it made the digital nomad journey itself become a lot more fruitful because i could put energy into different things like doing these types of conversations and you know helping other people try and figure out how to do things as well cool nice so what you mentioned about like being able to travel but was there anything else kind of specifically that kind of drew you to digital nomading at all and like because uh, i kind of go with remote life in a way i don't know if you would you still call it digital nomading yeah, was there anything that kind of, you're like, yes, this is for me. I know this sort of fills me up. Yes. And I, I like that you that you went with the remote life thing. Yeah. I, think the, I think we're at a place where it's like the visual nomad term itself is kind of like weird and not, it just, I don't, I don't even, I don't really like calling myself that anyways. It's on my Instagram. I think it's, I think it's on my LinkedIn too, but like. It's more palatable it's for sure right now, but I completely agree. I think whenever someone says that, oh, so you're a digital nomad, I kind of cringe now. There's a negative, I don't know if there's a negative connotation, but there feels like there's not nearly as much of a positive as when mm-hmm. I say something like I'm working remotely. That feels like there's more ownership over it for some reason. But, but what drew it to me, what, what drew me to it, I should say, is. I think the lifestyle and the work-life balance in, in the States or the lack thereof is kind of the, the draw. Uh, mm. having, that, having basically been taught from an early age, aside from like, you know, till time with travel is possible. But the other element of that is work for like 40 years and then enjoy, you know, the last 10 years of retirement when you, you know, your body is giving up on you and all that. Kind yeah, of, you know, if you're lucky. Do I yeah. have to do that? If, if you're lucky, exactly. I'm like, does it have to be done that way? And so I thought working in the travel industry would give me the best of both worlds. And it kind of did for a while, but then you just a cog in that wheel in a way. And I thought the digital nomad slash remote work sort of life was something that was much more freeing, much more in line with the kinds of ways that I wanted to live and the things I wanted to experience and explore whilst still being productive and doing interesting work and, you know, collaborating with interesting companies and things. I think it just all, it all gelled in a way that was really organic um, and kind of fell into my lap in a way that was not, not a huge struggle to, to switch. Yeah. So did you have clients before you made the leap or? Not really, because writing, yeah. writing was not my job. Well, no, I mean, like, I, yeah, when I, when I finally left New Jersey, I, I had established clients, but like, Prior, I guess I conflated two questions. So, like, I had no writing experience. I answered. I just decided to answer a different question. That's okay. <laughs> um, no, so to answer your question, yeah. By the time I left, this was December 2020. I had clients at that point, so I didn't. I would not recommend anyone start this without clients. Fair. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's just your anxiety is going to go through the roof, and you know, <laughs> I think you're going to end up taking projects that you don't like and it's mm. gonna, you're gonna have a bad it's a bad way to do it i can't imagine unless you have like an insane amount of money just sitting in your bank account 
for no apparent reason you don't have to have any responsibilities sure go for it but no i was already stressed enough with like the handful of clients i had when i left that makes total sense so it's, it's a question that comes up quite a bit for me so if in, in your eyes kind of how much time would you maybe say to somebody who was thinking about it who's like okay i've maybe got like a year like this in me or like you know do i need to put maybe six months or something like that into it what would you say would be the best lead up time like savings wise in terms of how much money to save for you mean um as in like so if someone says like oh, i want to do the remote life um how much time do i give myself to build up um, and stuff? yeah i feel like i feel like you gotta give yourself six months feels yeah. like a good number um yeah, because, I mean, there's so much failure involved in it and that's important to go through that I think, like, one month is, is far too short. I don't think you can really do much in one month. Three months, maybe, but I feel like six months, you can start to hit a stride um, mm-hmm. and start connecting some some dots, have some small wins pile up on each other. Mm-hmm. But, like, I started writing, for example, in, like, or for money, I was writing before, but I started, like, professionally writing in April of 2020. I didn't leave until December of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing travel-related work with video um i had had clients for that and things like that and they're to a certain extent have clients but yeah it took me like eight months to to feel comfortable leaving to leave with nothing six months i would have had to give myself at least and i would have had to have a decent amount saved i would have had to i wouldn't have felt comfortable leaving without six months saved either Mm. no that's fair so speaking of leaving um obviously the reason we're both chatting and how we met is through um lovely mm-hmm. tanya who um was that funny enough a guest on series two uh i feel like she's getting a really uh, good amount of shout outs on this podcast it's quite yeah, funny she's awesome she is amazing <laughs> and we were both on a panel together for uh, back in um workplace culture conference which happened i think it was about a month ago now nearly that's wild yeah, yeah uh, it in, was oh, it's early may it's early may right? yeah and it's What's june it? this week yeah. Um, (laughs) and essentially we were on a panel together about why eyes are on Croatia so where has been your favorite destination to set up as a digital nomad well it's gonna it's gonna be Croatia (laughs) obviously yeah uh it's I don't know it's just for me personally it ticks so many boxes it mentioned earlier I mentioned earlier that Medellin is uh, a little bit too big for me 2.6 million if her country of Croatia is like 3.9 million, mm. Zagreb, I think, is slightly less than a million people. So, like, it doesn't feel overwhelming to me as a place, which is one part of it. Not a huge thing, but the, that helps. The country itself is so gorgeous. You've been there. It's, mm. I mean, the coast is, is part of it. A lot of it is that beauty. But then you have, you know, a, a lot of beautiful stuff inland as well. And I love the city of Zagreb. There's something to do there constantly. It's still an underrated city. I feel like people tend to go in really quickly and leave really quickly to go to the coast and come back from the coast to, to mm. fly out somewhere. But it's it's, a, it's such a great city to be in, really good vibe, walkable, great internet, public transportation is amazing. The whole country can get to anywhere by bus in a handful of hours. Co-working's everywhere, great coffee, great culture, great people. I can pretty much go on about Croatia like like endlessly, but it's just one of those places that has certain intangibles too, where you just have a good feeling at least I did being there and really welcomed and people seem to there's a good community vibe everywhere is what I felt as well yeah it's Croatia is such a funny country I because I was there at the beginning of the year and everyone was obviously very chill very mellow and then I came back obviously for workplace culture conference and it was kind of like the vibe elevated somehow 
like in the more of the peak season. So I was, it kind of felt a bit like coming home for me. I was like, oh, this is why I really liked it. And it was kind of like the feeling was just 10 times bigger. Like it's kind of community chilled vibe. Oh, yeah. I think because you were there in May and you were there for how, how much longer did you stay after? I had to go to Kansas straight afterwards. So literally we went to Lockroom, then I had to fly back to London to then go to Kansas City for another conference. And I wish I'd stayed for longer this time. That's like, per- like May and September are like the perfect, yeah. perfect months. Yeah. Because uh, it's still still like not a huge influx of people, uh, mm. but you get the really good like energy that's building for, for that summer season. But yeah, like for everyone, everything that I did there was just, there's an excitement level to it for me because a lot of it was new. I saw like 30 different little cities and towns around the country all the way to Serbian border. Yeah. And um, it, there's so much to see and do in such a small place. You got world, world-class wine, obviously. Really good food up in every, actually every part of the country. But, and it's an affordable place to be. Let's be honest, mm-hmm. it's not like, unless you're basing yourself on Dubrovnik, which <laughs> I guess you could. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a, The cost of living is not extraordinary for the lifestyle you get for that 100% I'm, I'm kind of already like because you know that they're doing an Albania digital nomad week in September I'm kind of like yes. oh, do I fit in a potential like cheeky trip to Croatia after that because I can imagine it must be so amazing in September as well so that is anytime anyone, anyone asks me now it's September is the key month to do that like May is great but September you get the added benefit of the sea being warmer and there's just a, a different vibe once the season ends there's a, a relaxed like Relief. Mm. All the people, all the people are like chill from you know working a, a really like hectic season that are working in the tourism sector there. So it's just like it's a different sort of feel. Really good though. So yes, you should. And I think <laughs> I might be, you know, I might be, I might go to Albania for that actually. Oh well, maybe see you there. Um, but yeah. one last thing on Croatia. If people have, so obviously I feel like Dubrovnik's kind of off the table because we all know it's gorgeous. Dare I say it? But if people had to go, had one place they could go in Croatia and only one place, where should they go, Steve? Man, that is hard. Because, like, I, I want to say Zagreb, but that's not the right answer because, like, it depends on why you're going. Because, like, Rovin, for example, is, is is a stunner. It's on the Adriatic all the way up to basically the flip side of the country from, from Dubrovnik. But if, like, what I always say is Dubrovnik is called the, the pearl of the Adriatic, that would be, like, the gem because it's so, it's so special up there. It's completely different. In a way, but still familiar. Mm. I want to say I want to say Rovin, but I really like Zagreb's the background of my phone, and I love Zagreb. So I know you asked for one place. I just gave you two. I think <laughs> Go we, for we, it. We might, we, we might have to live with it. We might have to live with those two. I feel like I just had a weird deja vu flashback to our panel where you did exactly the same thing. Where I just like answered like hey, I, I want answer two. The answer I wanted to give. <laughs> Amazing. Well, anyway, speaking, I'll give you three this time. If you can only take three things on the road with you, what would it be? So I'll, I'll like, there's the obvious ones that I have to have, which is like work-related stuff, notebook, laptop, like all those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything that like you have to have, like we know that the laptop's going to be there. We know that the charger's going to be there. We know the Um, video camera's going to be in there. Yeah, I would say sunglasses. Okay. It doesn't matter if it's raining or not raining, like sunny not sunny and cloudy nighttime daytime I'll, I'll be wearing sunglasses i don't know what it is i just i need sunglasses it's like a it's like a comfort thing headphones mm-hmm. must and then to toss up it's, they're both exercise related so either running shoes or like uh an elastic you know like exercise band thing so like they're 
a way to stay active. So mm-hmm. I, I typically will have both. Let's just say running shoes. I go with running shoes. You can have running shoes. Some people need them. Like, yeah, I feel like... I feel like when you're doing nomading and remote life in general, there are just those like top things that you kind of can't not pack in your suitcase. And I feel like for me, I 100% always have like tennis shoes, you know, it's just shoes that you can bung on that go with almost every outfit and are comfortable to walk in. Like I pretty much live in my tennis shoes in Dubrovnik. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you got Dubrovnik, you're walking everywhere and you got the walls and all like there's endless walking in not just Dubrovnik, but like all over Croatia. Mm. I don't even know why I had another pair of shoes other than my tennis shoes all the time. Yeah. Also, from like a, a work mindset standpoint, like if I if I get frustrated with something work-wise, if I get stuck somewhere, I'll go for a run. Like and mm. it'll like wipe my brain clear. Like you know, like men in black, that little mm-hmm. like you know memory erasing <laughs> red light thing. That's what like running shoes do for me. Being able to just get out there for I don't know even a half hour doesn't matter. Yeah. Reset, and I can come back and be productive again. Yeah, completely. So that, sorry, that was tennis shoes, sunglasses. Headphones. Headphones. And you know, a noise cancelling headphones kind of person, or is it the sports like, so you can run with them? Yeah, it's, just, it's the latter. Yeah. But like the noise, the noise cancelling, I just bought new ones. I keep breaking them basically. Like I keep <laughs> apparently I need the most water resistant headphones. I need to basically be able to swim in headphones, is what I realized, because I it's the gross but I sweat like an obscene <laughs> amount when I when I go running. And I've gone through so many that I just finally bought like I, I've been buying increasingly more expensive ones, which is really annoying because, like, it costs money to keep doing this, obviously. So mm-hmm. I bought ones that have, like, the highest waterproof rating, and I think they're and they're noise-canceling, too. So nice. it's, like, it's all of it, and it's, if these break, I'm really upset. Yeah. No. <laughs> then, then, shit, I'm screwed, pretty much. Nice. That's some good answers. I love asking people this because then I, you get some really like not always the same, but like some differing answers, and I feel like you kind of get to know the person just that much more in that way. Yeah, it's, a good, it's a good question. What's the, what's some like the weirder ones? Have you gotten like weird stuff? Not weird stuff, but like we've had lip gloss in there. Like we've had. Um, I feel like hand sanitizer makes it in there. It's not all also like kind of very specific things but i feel like when you ask somebody like you know put laptop aside put phone aside because of course we all want that one in there it's mm-hmm. very interesting to see like kind of hear like what people can't go without and then you kind of i didn't realize like the sunglasses thing was like such, such a thing for me like i'm yeah. like, my sunglasses are sitting next to me right now and here it's cl- like it rains since it rains every day it's like it's cloudy for some chunk of every day I'm yeah I know for me, the tennis shoes thing comes from working in London for X amount of years. You kind of get to the point, like, I joke with people all the time, like, it's a PR girl thing to wear nice outfits and then you have a pair of tennis shoes. Like, it's just a thing. Like, you're running around the city, it's sometimes going elsewhere. Like, you gotta be comfortable. <laughs> I get that. I get that. I mean, I think digital nomads slash remote life now in general, like, I realized, like, a clothing aspect or a clothing angle most of my clothes are like solid colors now mostly mm. in like the beige gray blue like darker like not n- no big designs really anymore i used to have like a lot of like much more colorful now now it's just more simple i guess like i've, I've gone more minimalist by necessity and i wanted to but then i realized my clothing has sort of gone that route as well nice random bringing that up but that's just something no, I feel like once you start nomading, you definitely... Because obviously, like, you know, for example, I think about the fact that, like, I went to Mexico City and I bought this bright uh, red jacket that when I wore to, like, Montreal looks so out of place. <laughs> but 
I love it. So it reminds me of Mexico City. It reminds me of my travels. And as you know, Mad, I feel like you kind of, you gain a different sense of self from it. So, nah, oh, yeah. that sounds about right. <laughs> That's true. I, I, I have to think about the situations I'll wear certain things and, like, if it's worth getting and usually it's not, and that's a nice way to like. <laughs> so I don't want to have stuff. I think I'm not a big stuff guy. I think I think that's like pervasive amongst anyone that does remote work for any length of time. It's just like you realize you just don't need much, and then the more you have, ends up being like a clutter, and you have to figure out how to deal with it. So when I have forced to like think of all these things that work perfectly in a much different way, I have to figure out how I'm going to travel with it. Mm-hmm. You really realize what you actually need and what is kind of just like, oh, I was feeling good if I buy that, but do I need it kind of thing. 100%. I've definitely been in the shops a couple of times in the last few months and gone, Ugh, I really want to, but I have X amount of luggage, so no. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. It's, you know, I, I feel good about that because then I don't end up like just owning stuff. And what I do own, I use until it's like completely wrecked. And I feel good. For some reason, I feel good about that. Nice. Well, do you know what that kind of leads into a good segue for the next question? So where do you find people get stuck when it comes to digital nomading or the remote life? Is it luggage space or? <laughs> yeah, I think there's, there's, there's a degree of like letting go that people get hung up on, I think, initially. I think just the, the idea of getting started thinking that you need much more going for you than you mm. kind of really do. Like you really only need a handful of clients or even one client if, if you're working for a company and they let you go remote that's a whole different story but i think people get hung up in what can go wrong and and that sort of limiting um thinking when it's in reality a lot of those like worst case scenarios that we come up with don't ever really happen i i can't think of a worst case scenario that, that i've come up with that's happened and i think i got stuck up on that sort of thing for a while myself no, that's cool. And is there anything you maybe do differently on your digital nomad journey if you were starting this year? I probably, I, I think I still need to improve on this is I would put much more emphasis on, on networking. Like I definitely, mm-hmm. I think you can find a lot more opportunities, not just for work, but like a lot more opportunities to grow as a person and like get better at doing what you're doing and get advice and things like that just by talking to people that are already in your network and the amount of people that have asked me questions that don't even know me, but like follow me on Instagram or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I would have reached out with as much confidence as people have reached out to me. And I'm still like, that's still like an ongoing thing. So I would do that differently and I would still am in the process of working on doing that differently. But that's one thing that I, I think people underestimate is the, the power and scale that they have buried inside their own networks. Yeah, so you mentioned Instagram, but where would you maybe go for top networking? Again, this is like, I feel like it's such a different thing for different people. Yeah, I mean, I think I've met the most people, like, in real life between Instagram and LinkedIn. Interesting. Um, Which one would I go to? LinkedIn, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, I think, like, LinkedIn has been been good for me. I'm not even that, I'm not as active as I'd like to be there, but... The people that I do talk to on there and people that I follow and, and read their, their posts, there's stuff that I like. And then I would also just, not just a networking standpoint, but to reconfigure your social networks is a good idea. And and start sort of, what would be the word? Uh, not not crafting. God, I lost the word completely. Like where you're, you were curating, that's what I'm looking for. You're curating your feed, <laughs> curating your feed to get stuff that's that's inspirational to you. Because I was following a lot of things that were like, I didn't realize at the time, but like negative. Uh-huh. So yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of stuff can be 
done social that's actually positive. I know it gets social gets a bad rap a lot, which is fair, but there's a lot of good people creating good content that's inspiring and can help you overcome certain mindset things, let alone the networking side of it. But um Who would your top yeah, people go for you to watch? Like, you know, it's as in who do you go for that you're like, okay, this is feels really inspiring for me. I think so I don't want people follow. But but I like, like Gary V um, mm-hmm. on pretty much any platform. Like he just like it's almost nauseatingly positive. Like I'm like, how is this guy genuinely this, this positive? But like I knew a friend of mine worked at Vayner Media, worked for him when it was like a much smaller company. And he's like, no, nah, it's like he's that's not an act. He actually like genuinely mm. that's how he rolls. So like he he's in my vault and, and a lot of like smaller entrepreneur type type people that are putting out that kind of content. I can't think of any other time my head. But I definitely would agree that Gary Vee is a good one for kind of when you're starting out. I feel like his whole approach of just put stuff out, like stop worrying and just kind of getting you dipping your feet into what it is you want to do is definitely a really helpful one. Like there was definitely a period where I, I bought his um uh one of his audio book and I can't remember the name of it now. Uh oh my gosh. But it's basically his first book. And just hearing him in my like kind of in my ears, as it were was just super helpful to kind of keep me motivated at one point. So I completely agree. He's amazing. One of my favorites right, is also yeah. Stephen Bartlett. Stephen Bartlett. I'm going to write this down. So <laughs> uh, he's English, but I, his uh, Diary of a CEO, super interesting podcast. Highly recommend giving that one a listen. I kind of liked having watching on YouTube. I don't normally do this with a lot of podcasts, but watching him, his podcast on YouTube, because obviously he has the people, the guests live in the studio uh, it's a fascinating experience to watch. Oh, that's great. I mean, I, I anything that you're, there's conversations where people will, will break down how they do things. There's so much like free, really good knowledge out there that people are just giving away. And mm-hmm. to really, really listen to it as opposed to just like letting it go in one ear and out the other. There's, there's a lot of, there's, there's free education out there everywhere. And you can curate your feeds to, to accommodate that and, then use that motivation, what you learn to apply that to when you meet people and when you want to network. So that that to me is like, I'm still in the process of like being comfortable with that. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it's still like, it's still like I, I'm like an extroverted introvert. I think like I like being around people, but I really like not being around people. So I have to like force myself <laughs> to, to, to like go do stuff and meet people. And I, and I do, but then I can even recharge, you know? No, that makes total sense. And you're so right. I feel like one thing that definitely comes up on this podcast a lot is that Google and Twitter is so underused in terms of being search engines, like, mm-hmm. oh, and YouTube. Like, there is almost like nothing oh, yeah. you can not YouTube when it comes to starting a business, comes to freelancing, scaling. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Oh, that's yeah. That's actually those are all really good uh, things that I would yeah. I, I echo that because so many times, especially when I was doing video, but it applies now to, to other aspects of what I'm trying to do. I would get hired for something like, I don't know how to do that. And then yeah. I watch tutorials. Tom, yeah, that's there's There's no excuse really now to, to not be able to figure something out. Um, and, and also people are so willing to help. Yeah. Just asking people to, to for their insight and input. People are willing to, to give it generally. I completely agree. I feel like especially after, it was already kind of a lot of information out there, but I feel like especially after the pandemic, a lot of people have had so much time to put stuff down like on the internet to help you kind of do anything at this point. So yeah, there's almost no excuse now. And it's definitely becoming so much more normal as people figure out 
kind of what they want from their lifestyle and how they want to work now. So if remote living, if remote business, or remote working is something that you want to do moving forward, I feel like it's so much more accessible, whether that's through the internet or through people, like you mentioned. Agreed. Fully fully agreed. Um, And it's getting getting better. The support systems for all of it are, are much more robust for getting to countries, you know, like, Croatia has the Digital Nomad Association. I think t- tons of countries have some equivalent of that now. Mm-hmm. So not only is, is there the ability to learn stuff, but when you touch down in some of these places, there's already an infrastructure there in, in many cases to help you get the ball rolling or keep the ball rolling, so to speak. Speaking of support systems, just out of curiosity, do you have any support systems for yourself, like any coaches? Or like for me, I have an accountability partner. I heard you say that, and I was I was kind of jealous. Um, oh. I have I, I have one, one woman that I'm working with um, for the past few months um, that's helping me to basically like grow my, my copywriting business and she's been great it's uh, a good experience and I think I need more of that either same person or to figure out more specific because I realize that there's certain things I need that like are accountability is one of them yeah but there's a lot of I didn't realize there's still like speaking of like when I mentioned there's so many things that are out there to help you like that's what I've been learning over the, the past say a year, maybe a little bit less, is that the whole coaching thing, which I kind of scoffed at in the past because, mm. I don't know, I just felt, I don't know, felt trite and like, who needs that kind of thing? And like, these are all swindlers. And I don't know why I thought that, but for some reason I thought that. But after meeting and having friends of mine that I, I know are coaches, I'm just like, well, this is genuinely helpful. Like, it's stuff that you might already intuitively know, but mm. you really need someone to be like, no, listen, you have to go do this. Like, you have to do X, Y, Z. And then you have to tell me that you've done it, um, obviously. But yeah, so I'm working with one woman now, and I think I'll continue with someone for various things, to be honest, because it really helps with mindset. Yeah, I was going to say. No, it's, 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 that was for me the hard thing with, with getting started. One of the hard things was shifting mindset. We kind of talked about it with, with the roadblocks that people um, put in front of themselves with thinking they need X, Y, Z to, to get the ball rolling but for me it was in the mindset I, something i still uh deal with like feelings of inadequacy am i good enough to do that like it helps to have either somebody to talk to mm-hmm. or to be you know reading books that help you along that process mm. no 100 percent. we did this on the, uh, the panel but i'm gonna ask you again because you gave the answer that home is croatia which makes total sense but home is where fill in the blank steve i gotta say croatia again right no because you're not there i'm not physically there but it is my my intention is is to be back there later this year so and i (laughs) I would i would like to be based there so unless something dramatic in life changes which you know life can throw you a curve like kind of that was where i felt best and i created a nice support system of people there friends and uh it's just like like kind of how you described it's getting back felt really familiar that's the same familiarity that I feel like I have with, with that country and with some of those cities there. So but also ultimately, it's it's kind of where it's trite um, to use that word again. Like home is where your heart is. You know, if you feel good somewhere, yeah. that can really be home. You carry it with you. I think home is a mobile concept. Not home is where the sunnies are then. Well, I mean, that's just, that's an obvious thing. <laughs> if there's no sunnies, then... What, am I even living? Am I live anymore? <laughs> oh, funny. Well, Steve, thank you so much. It's been great to chat and hopefully we'll see you in Tirana. I am hoping. 
we could do that and that would be awesome share share a beverage would be great and oh yes let's let's i mean it's gonna be the end of summer but like it'll be warm there it'll, it'll be it's your toronto's not the beach exactly but you know it's <laughs> we'll make it summer it'll be great but yeah thank you see you soon amazing all right chat soon all right Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Remote Life. And thank you, Steve, for taking the time to speak with us. You can find links to his LinkedIn and Instagram below. Thank you so much again for listening, and we can't wait to remote work with you again soon.